All right, thank you so much. And thank God for the blood of Jesus, amen. And when the devil gets around you, man, plead the blood. He can't stand the blood. He has to run from that. Uh, he may not run from me. He's got no right to run from me. Uh, but I thank God for through the blood. We got power and, and uh, grace and victory over him. Yes, sir. Wow. Amen, Brother Ron. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen, Brother Ron. Now, the blessing they said it wouldn't last. 37 years ago, still just as good tonight. God's still good, ain't he, Brother Ron? He sure is. Praise the Lord. All right, that's good. Thank you so much. How many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building? And I want to ask you to take your Bible and join me tonight in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter number 6. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, I have my, uh, my Schofield Bible, my old Schofield, page number 1002. Uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, uh, very first book in the New Testament, 1002 in the Old Schofield Bible. I'd like to read some verses here, and then if you'll leave your Bibles open and just follow me along in a moment. All right, I am so sorry. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bless your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, ain't it? Amen. You call that a Samuel. Amen. Anybody got another Samuel? God's been good. God's heard us, Anthony. And God's helped us, and we sure are grateful for that. And boy, what a blessing that is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. God is good, is he not? And uh, we sure thank him for his blessings. That is wonderful. Praise the Lord. All right. Are you there? Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I want to read some verses here in a moment. Right before I read, let me tell you this. We did have a good day on all of our church buses. You know, I think if I'm right about this, Brother David, this is the third week, I believe, that we've been able to, since we started running our church buses back. And, of course, we hadn't run them like seven months before that. Uh, because of the COVID stuff. So we actually, just three weeks ago, started from scratch. And then, of course, throw in on top of all of that, the sogginess of this Sunday morning, the rain and wind blowing like crazy. But guess what? We had the most that's rode the church buses today since we got started back on a soggy Sunday morning. 307 riders on our church buses today. Isn't that a blessing? Boy, that's right. Uh, our church, bu our church work, uh, bus workers knocked it out of the park today. 
I appreciate all of the hard work that went into that. Yesterday, of course, we met here. It was raining. You know, the forecast was the winds blowing and all that stuff. And they went out and knocked doors yesterday. 307 riders in the midst of a pandemic, a pandemic in, a, in a Category 5 hurricane. We had 307 uh, riders on our church buses today. Thank God for the bus captains, the bus drivers, the bus workers, and then all the crowd that kind of goes along with that. Uh, you know, we have folks that prepare the meals for them in the cafeteria. We have all the preachers and all the bus, uh, the church workers on the other side of the building. And just a good day, 307 riders. I got to gotta just run down the list here if you don't mind. Uh, the West Winston route had 13. The Kernersville route had 11. The South Winston route had 14. One of the Spanish routes had 33. The Greensboro route had 43. The Rural Hall route, the King Rural Hall route had 30. Another one of the Spanish routes had 21. The Mount Airy route had 23. The Murray Road route had 33. Another one of the Spanish routes had 30. The Pofftown route, 25. The Ogburn Station, 22. The Siloam route had 9. And you put all that together, added up 307 riders on our church bus today. Best of all, four people were saved on the other side of the building today. And God just give us a good day, and I appreciate God. Hey, I just knew the numbers were going to be down today, didn't you? I mean, with all the rain and just getting started back, and I tell you what, your work, God bless that, and we sure give him the praise for it. And to thank God for our bus workers. I appreciate all the hard work that goes into that, so much that goes on, not just getting on the bus, riding it, but so much goes on around all that, and a lot of folks work to take care of that crowd, and we appreciate it so much. I appreciate Brother David going through and uh, you know, de Santa, what do you call that? Getting decuditizing. Uh, whatever, the germs out. What do they call that? What's the name for that? Sanitizing. Uh, he goes through with one of those sprayers and sanitizes everything after, uh, you know, the church buses leave and everybody's done. Just takes a lot of work for all that, and I appreciate the good job that went on in the bus ministry today. All right, Matthew chapter 6 now. I want to begin reading verse, verse 25, and I want to ask you to leave your Bibles open. I want to read the rest of this chapter. Please bear with me. And I thank God that we're in this text tonight, especially as we move into these days. So let's look now, Matthew chapter 6. Well, let me read verse 24, all right? No man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubic to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, they, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For, uh, clothed? for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. I just stop right there and just give an invitation. God knows that we have need of all these things. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What great, what pertinent verses uh, living out in these days that you and I are living in. So I want to kind tonight just kind of work our way through this text. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the the blood of Jesus, and thank you for the, uh, because of the blood of Jesus, we can look forward to seeing you one day, and Lord, you left everything, came down to this earth, died on the cross. Ye who was rich became poor, that we through your poverty might be made rich. Lord, it seemed like this every song just fit together tonight. Thank you for the good song. Then that song, tell me the story of Jesus, right on my heart every word. Tell me the story, most precious, sweetest, and Lord, all of that just fit right together tonight. God, I pray now that you just honor the message, honor the Word of God, encourage our hearts from this text tonight, and help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, for quite a while, off and on, we have been bouncing back and forward between two different series of messages, one on the life of David and the other from the Gospel of Matthew. And if you remember, both of these sermon series are about, are about the kings. Uh, the David series is about Israel's greatest king, King David, and the Matthew series is based upon the king of all kings, the Lord Jesus. You know, as I've told you before, these four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these four men who wrote the four gospels all set forth the Lord Jesus in four different manners, four different pictures. For instance, in the gospel of Mark, Mark presents Jesus as the servant. In fact, here's what he said about it, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Son of Man came not to be many to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Jesus is the one who came. He didn't come down here so that, that, that we might answer his ever beck and whim. He came down here to meet our needs, thank God, and then to give his life a ransom for many. He's the suffering servant. Then over in the Gospel of Luke, Luke presents the Lord Jesus as the Son of Man. One of the great verses, and I think I messed this one up, but one of the great verses is Luke 19 and verse number 10. And Luke 19, 10 says this, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Aren't you glad Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost? And then the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John presents the Lord Jesus as the Son of God. In John 1, 14, he is the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. But Matthew takes a completely different approach to the Lord Jesus. You see in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew presents the Lord Jesus to the people of his day as well as the people of any day. He presents to us Jesus as the king. The king that one day will rule over the entire world and universe but until that day dawns, he's the king that wants to rule and reign in our hearts. So Matthew says, I want to write to you a book about Jesus and how that Jesus is the king. Now back in chapter 1, we have looked at the ancestry of the king. In chapter 2, we looked at the arrival of the king. In chapter 3, we talked about the announcer of the king. In chapter 4, we talked about the adversary of the king. But now for some, while, some time, we have been in that sermon, that part of the book of Matthew that deals with the address 
of the king. The Sermon on the Mount. By far the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached. The Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. And tonight now we find our text all the way at the end of the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 6. What a great time to approach these verses. Because these verses tonight deal with the subject that is on the minds of a lot of people, and that's this. These verses are on the subject of worry. Worry. Boy, these are worrisome days, are they not? I mean, you're looking around, I'm looking around at all that's going on in our world, and if we aren't careful, we'll fret about it. We will worry about what is going on. I heard about this one lady who worried so much till all of her hair fell out. And the thing about it was she wore a wig. That's pretty bad. I had another man that worried, uh, who worried so much till he decided he was just going to go out and hire somebody uh, to do all of his worrying for him. So his friend asked him, he said, how about you paying that guy to do all your worrying for you? He said, I'm paying him $100,000 a year. His friend said, where are you going to get that kind of money to pay him? He said, I don't know, that's his worry. <laughs> yes, sir. Have you worried about anything lately? Are you looking around at the landscape of our nation tonight, at the shape of our society, and are you worried about it? Is there something right now that's really, like Opie says, praying on your mind, Paul? Is something praying on your mind tonight? Did you, like me, lay awake last night because of something that was troubling you? Well, somebody once said this, worrying is like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do. It just don't get you anywhere. And can I stop and say that worrying was a problem in Jesus' day and worrying is certainly a problem in our day. I just read this week, and by the way, worrying today in our days on steroids, hopped up on steroids, I mean people are worried in our day. I read this week that in America, 31% of all people over the age of 18 are on some kind of anxiety medicine. Now, that's almost half of us in America. Uh, we're on some kind of medicine because we are fearful and we are worried. The word worry, as I understand it, comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word spelled, I'm going to spell it, I don't think I pronounce it, but it's spelled W-Y-R-G-A-N. But the word itself means this, it means to strangle. And that's what worry is. Worry will strangle a person to death. Worry will strangle the life right out of you. Somebody said this and wisely said this, that worry is that which pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. Well, I can, can I tell you this? If you're anxious about something tonight, if you're worried about something, has the king got a message for you tonight? If you're wondering, Going forward, how in the world are you going to make it? May I just remind you, our king has a message about worry. Now, our text tonight really deals with six things. But don't worry. I've broken those six things down into three groups of twos. Don't worry. See, I've already set your mind to these just by coming to church tonight. So I want to deal tonight with what Jesus deals with in this text. I want to talk about three sets of twos that Jesus deals with in this text tonight. First of all, number one, this text, number one, is about fear and future. This text tonight is about fear and the future. By the way, 
Are you fearing the future? I mean, what about that? In verse number 25, Jesus said this, Take no thought, verse 35, for your life. Uh, he talks about there what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for the body, what you shall put on. Then he jumps on down this same text, verse 34, and he starts talking about the morrow, the future. And when Jesus said there, take no thought, in verse 25, he said, hey, don't be afraid. And then when he talks about there in verse 34 about the morrow, he's talking about the future. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear the future. You know why? Our king is in control. Now, I said a moment ago, what a great time to be in this text because you know, I know, that just 23 days from today, we're having an election here in the United States of America. You know, every four years, I can't help but think about every four years because I say the same thing every four years, but I always say this, this is the most important election of our lifetime. You know the reason I say that? Because it's true. Seems like the further we go, the higher the stakes, the, the greater the odds are for our nation. Every four years, ladies and gentlemen, we make that statement. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is, can I say this, November, whatever it is, what day are we voting on, third? November the 3rd, I'm telling you, is the most important election that we've ever had here in the United States of America. You think about it. I read just this week, listen to this. Just this week I read that over 6 million people, now there's only 330 million of us in the United States, but 6 million people have already cast their vote in the upcoming election. How many of y'all have already voted? Would you raise your hand? Hold up high just a second, will you? All right, y'all like me, I'll wait till the last minute. I like to go on election day, don't y'all? I like to stand there with my MAGA hat on. Amen. Don't y'all be mad at me, but can I tell you something? I'm going to tell my wife this minute. We rode by. There was a group of senior citizens out the other day uptown, and they were standing there in a huddle. <laughs> and they all had Biden signs hanging out there, and they were, you know, raising those Biden signs. My wife said, watch this. She rolled the window down and said, go Trump. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Those old people, uh, not old people, those sweet elderly people, they were going, woo, woo. And that one of those guys standing there, he started raising the roof. I, she said, Biden needs to buy them a hearing aid. This is the most important election day in the history of the United States of America. It really is. And I got to thinking about that. Six million people have already voted. Now listen, compared to the 2016 election, where at the same time only 75,000 people have voted. Now I want you to hear this. They're already estimating that this year in America, on election day, 109 million people are going to get out and vote this year. Now, you got to go back to 1908 to find that many people who ever voted in a presidential election. Can I tell you something, man? There's a lot at stake. And a lot of people are afraid of the future because of the outcome 
of this upcoming election. Now, we got that going on. Boy, we got an election. We're standing right down the barrel. You watch TV and this one's saying this, that one's saying that. We've watched the debates and, and there's probably going to be more to come. Watched all of that. I mean, man, can't go to sleep at night. I'm just nervous to death. Feet froze. I mean, just go to bed and just gnaw on my pillow. And, uh, man, worried about all that. What about you? Now you got to throw in COVID-19. Well, we already know we got an election coming up. One of the big hot topics of the upcoming election is what in the world are we going to do about this COVID-19? Now, whatever you think about it, it's fine with me. You got your opinion. I got my opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. I don't know what's going to happen with this stuff. All I know is some people that get it don't even know they got it. And then I know some people that get it are sick with it. Then I know some of our people that had it have spent time in the hospital with it. I don't know what in the world's going on with this. I have no idea why it affects. Some people don't affect them. Other people, it makes them sick. And some people, I've had one funeral so far that was COVID-related, only one. So we're doing pretty good. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know about all this. I'm just glad we're in phase three and go through the garden center at Walmart. I have no idea where we're headed with all this. I mean, people are, are worried about that. Everywhere you go, it's on your mind. Don't you miss those days when you, if you sneezed or coughed out in public, I mean, you weren't singled out and asked to leave? Don't you miss those days? Don't you miss those days when you didn't have to worry about, do I have my mask on before you go into the store? So we've got, we've got an election we're looking at. We got COVID-19, and boy, I want to tell you something. They say, they say, they say this, and they say that about it, and I have no idea. We got that to look at. And then look at our nation and the anarchy and the lawlessness and the rioting and the rebellion that is going on in America, in the streets of America. We're no better than a third world country anymore. I mean, there is so much lawlessness and rebellion. People are being beaten in the streets, being shot and killed in the very streets of America. Businesses are being burned down, clashing with law enforcement. National Guard called out. Man, I'm here to tell you, it is a mess. I tell you what, I read something good the other day. Don't be mad at me, but I read something good the other day that said this. The reason that Biden is so far ahead in the polls than Trump is all the Republicans, they don't take those phone calls, those poll calls, because they're all out buying ammunition. What's wrong with that? I mean, our country is in a mess. Then we got to talk about the economy. How many people, Miss Penny talked about just a moment ago about losing her job. And man, how many people, our economy is bad. I mean, there's talk of another shutdown. Uh, depends on who you're listening to, but I heard somebody say the other day that this coming winter, we're going back to that worth. You can't buy stuff at the grocery store no more. I mean, food is going to become a, 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 a precious commodity and the necessary items once again. You may want to go out and buy some paper towels and toilet paper and Clorox and stuff And if it happens once again. And people are losing their jobs. And once again, we just think to ourselves, where are we headed? This text talks about fear. This text talks about the future. People are wondering how they're going to make it. What are they going to have to eat? Whoever dreamed we'd be talking about the good old days eight months ago? I mean, to us, the good old days used to be back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Now we think about the good old days being, you know, January. 
Those were the good old days. We miss those days when you could just go to a restaurant and sit down and get something to eat. Miss those days where you didn't have to worry about a mass. That's what they did in, bless God, Ethiopia, was wear mass, not in America. Where are we headed? Fear and the future. You ever try to hold back coughing and a sneeze when you go out in public anymore? I honestly about blew up. I about blew. I about blew something out in here the other day, just trying to keep from sneezing. Cause I know, man, they look at you like you sorry scoundrel. What are you doing out here infecting everybody with the COVID disease? And I mean, you're out there. And I mean, I don't know what happened. I mean, I think about my heart about come out. Cause I was trying to hold it back. <laughs> Holy cow! What has happened here in America? Fear and the future. This text is about the fear of the future. This text is also about this. Look again, not fear, not only fear and future. This text tonight is about fowls and flowers. That's right. Look at verse 25. Look at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. Then he jumps down, verse 28, and starts talking about the lilies of the field. So now if you're worried... If you're fearful about the future, Jesus said, let's talk a little bit about the fowls and the flowers. Now what happens is in verse 26, Jesus is talking about the fowls of the air. And by the way, uh, what he's doing is he's he's talking about things that are small and minuscule and and by by most people's opinion uh, are very unimportant to us. And yet our heavenly father, the king, takes care of, of the fowls of the air. You ever seen a worried bird before? You ever seen a bird that was taking high blood pressure medicine? You ever seen a bird sitting on the back of a John Deere tractor plowing a field? You haven't. Who takes care of them? Our king, the Lord Jesus, takes care. Verse 26, they don't reap, they don't sow, they don't gather in the barns, but our heavenly king, our heavenly father, feeds them, and then he asks us this question, are you not much better than they? The fowls of the air. God in heaven looks after the fowls of the air. What about the, the flowers of the field? Look again, verse 28. Why take you thought for raiment? Conceal the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither did they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. He not only talks about our food, he starts talking about our fashion what we're going to put on. And he says, look, I just want to remind you, look out there in the fields, look at the flowers of the field. Have you ever seen a lily sitting at a singer sewing machine sewing some clothes to put on? Have you ever seen a lily out in the field crocheting, knit one pearl two, crocheting a sweater to wear throughout the coming cold? They don't do that. Where do they get their beauty from? Who clothes the flowers of the field? Our king takes care of that. And if our king can feed the fowls of the air, and if our king can put clothes on the backs of the lilies of the field, surely God can take care of us. Surely he can. Look at verse 30. He talks talking about the fields. Look at verse 30. Wherefore, if God... So clothe the grass. Now he's just talking about plain old everyday grass. You know, I don't mind mowing the first two times of every year. I look forward to about late March, early April, lawnmower out. First two times I'm excited about it. After the second time I'm ready for the frost to come back and kill it again. 
Can I have an amen? We're just tired of mowing. We don't even think about grass. The four stages of grass. It's, strong, it's sown, it's grown, it's mown, and it's gone. Say that five times real fast. It's sown, it's grown, it's mown, and it's gone. That's grass. But God even cares for the blades of grass that are in the field. The verse 30 said, If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is so minuscule, so unimportant, today it is, and tomorrow it's cast in the oven. Hey, if God cares for that, don't you think he cares for you? Don't you think that God can take care of you? Listen, when, when, our, when our minds get fear, filled with fear regarding the future, we need to consider the fowls, the flowers, and the fields that God takes care of all that. And if he does that, God is going to take care of me and you. You know, one of the best things that I've ever found when fear of the future grips your mind and your heart, maybe what you need to do is just take a stroll down memory lane and start thinking about what God has done for you in the past. You know, Moses had a way of doing that, didn't he? I mean, when Moses came, when the nation of Israel came to a place and they were about to do something they'd never done before, they were about to uh, uh, cross over the Red Sea or cross over the Jordan River, enter the promised land, whatever, they were about to do something, and the people were filled with great fear and apprehension. Moses always sat them down and took them a stroll through their past. And he just reminded them that the God that had taken care of them all those years prior to this is still the God that was going to take care of them today. Look at these verses right here. Watch this. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29. Then, uh, then I said unto you, this is Moses speaking to the entire nation, dread not, neither be afraid of them. Talking about all the Canaanites. Dread them, don't, don't be afraid of them, don't fear them. Look at the next verse. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Look at the next verse. And in the wilderness where, uh, where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God, he bare thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that you went until you came unto this place. You know what he's doing? He's just saying, all right, listen now, stop. I know we're afraid. I understand that. I know we don't know what's out there in the future. We've never been there before. I get that. But just let me remind you, that same God that got us out of Egypt and that same God that took care of us for 40 years in the wilderness, that is the same God that is going to carry us in his arm just like a, a daddy carries his child, that same God is still going to take care of us as we move out there into the land of the unknown. Hey, can you remember how the Lord has took care, took care of you in the past? Can you just not imagine Moses sitting all that crowd down saying, guys, I know we're afraid, but let me remind you of the Red Sea. I mean, we were in a pickle. Mountains on either side, Red Sea in front of us, Pharaoh's army behind us, but God got us out of that mess. I mean, we were in the wilderness. We didn't have anything to drink, and God sent a rock. Our God used a well to, to take care of the needs. Hey, well, we didn't have anything to eat, and we murmured because we didn't have anything to eat. God sent us manna from heaven, which in the original Hebrew was chicken McNuggets. A small round thing, tasted like honey. You ever took a chicken nugget and dipped it in honey? 
manna. God sent a manna from heaven. And God sent quails blowing into the camp. Look, they didn't have to bake the bread. They didn't have to hunt the quail. God took care of them. And he said, listen, if God done that before, if God got you out of those messes, if God supplied your need back in those days, if that God took care of you in your yesterdays, that God can take care of you uh, in your todays, and that God can take care of you in your tomorrows. He can, and he will take care of his people. Consider the fowls. Consider the flowers. Look at these verses over in Isaiah chapter 46. Kind of goes along the same line. Look at these verses. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, before you were born, from the belly, which are carried from the womb. Then he goes on to say this, And even to your old age, I am he, even to the... Whore hairs, I told you this morning, white hairs. Uh, I w will I carry you? I have made, I have made, I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver. You know what God is saying? From the time you're born to the time white hairs come on your head to the time you enter the world to the time you exit the world, God said, I just want to tell you, I love you, I will care for you. I don't have to fear the future. I don't have to, you know why? Look at the fowls. And the flowers. God is going to take care of us. Mark Twain, I don't know what you think about him. It don't, it don't even matter. But he made a statement one time, and here's what he said. He said, I am now an old man, and I've known a lot of troubles in my life, most of which never happened. Is that a mouthful of what? How much of what we worry about never happens anyway. And we worry and rack our minds and we lose sleep and we develop ulcers and get high blood pressure and we, and we chew our fingernails and we drink Maalox and we take pills, all kind of pills, and we do all of that when really probably what we ought to do is just say, well, God did it before, God can do it again. God got me out of that mess. That same God's still on the throne. He'll get me out of this mess. And I just want to tell you, that same God that got us through all those troubles in our past, all those difficult times, all those job losses, all those sicknesses, all those times when we didn't know where the next check was going to come from, if God got us through that, God can certainly get us through this. These verses are about fear and future. These verses are about flowers and fowls but then number three, these verses are about faith and focus. Look at verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what? When we put God the king where God the king needs to be in our life on the throne of our heart, when we put him first, when we seek him first, then he says this in verse 33, all these things, what things? Everything is just mentioned. Food, fashion, finances, future, all of that. He said, I'm going to handle all that. You just put me first. I'll add all those things to your life. Really what we ought to be worried about is where God is in our life. More than worried about who's going to win the election. I get it. I know that. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm tore all to pieces about that. Y'all pray for me. I'm telling you, it's just tearing me, tearing me, tearing me, tearing me, tearing me, tearing me up. I'm in a mess. But I know one thing. God's still going to be on the throne regardless of what happens. Our faith and our focus needs to be in God.
our faith in God, our focus on God. The Bible said when we put God first, all these things, and I like this, shall be added. I'd rather any day of the week have God's addition than God's subtraction. Put God first. What does God do? He adds to our life. When we don't put God's first, God subtracts from our life. Can you, will you close with me? Go back to an Old Testament book for just a moment. Let me find it. I'll tell you what page it is. But just start turning there. It's in the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. I want you to look at this, ver this book here. Haggai is page number 962 in the Old Schofield Bible. Let me show you what happens. When we put God first, add addition. I add these things to your life. But when God slips into second place, I want to show you God subtracts things from our life. Let me show it to you. Look at Haggai chapter 1. And just to make a long story short, uh, here's what had happened. The children of Israel had gone back to the promised land after the Babylonian captivity. And the reason that God had allowed them to go back was to rebuild the house of God. You remember what happened to the house of God? It got destroyed, didn't it? Who was it that destroyed it? Was it the Democrats that tore down the house of God? Does anybody in here know who it was? It was the Democrats, wasn't it? Better known back in Old Testament days as the Babylonians. You didn't know that in Hebrew. You didn't put those two words together. Look it up in your Strong's Concordance sometime. I'm kidding. So the Babylonians had tore down the house of God. God took his people off for 70 years in the land of Babylon. After 70 years, God said, okay, everybody wants to go back home to rebuild the house of God. I want you to go back and get started rebuilding the house of God. So they go back and look, if you will, at verse number 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say. So they got back there. They started working on the house of God. Persecution set in, and guess what happened? They quit working on the house of God. And they came up with this excuse. Look at verse 2. This people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. You know what they were saying? Timing's not right. Can I tell you something? Bless your heart. The timing is never going to be right to do something for God. The devil's going to see to that. I remember back in 2008, I guess it was 2008, when we moved to this building right here, or we started building this building right here. You remember those days, 2008, 2009, right along in that time, the economy tanked. Remember that? And uh, people were saying, man, this is not the time to be building a new church. But now we sit in this thing. We're 10 years on the other side of all that, and we sit in this thing. There ain't no telling how much money we got in the bank. I guess somewhere south of... $50 million that we've got in the bank. Of course, I'm kidding. You believe that? <laughs> I wish we did have $50 million in the bank. We'd be starting on that new building over there if we had that much money in the bank. But we got money in the bank. Here we are. We've never missed a payment on this building. Can I tell you something? The devil tries to put fear in us saying, hey, the time has not come. This is not a good time to be starting anything like that. We just need to wait and see how the COVID's going to pan out. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God is still just as much God tonight in the middle of this pandemic as he's always been. Amen. Miss Penny just said a moment ago, God gave them their stewardship money. God will take care of his people. So they were saying, the time's not come. Then jump down to verse number, uh, verse number two. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed? Look right down beside the word sealed. Put the word lavish. So he says this. Oh, so you're saying it's not time to build the Lord's house, but you are telling me that it's time to build you a lavish house. Now, how crazy is that? Sounds like to me they had put God, taken God out of first place. They are putting self 
before God. And then he goes on, verse 5, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He said, look around now and see what's happening. So God is no longer first. You're putting your own selfish ambitions and desires before the Lord. Look at verse 6. You have sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with hope. God said, just stop and look what's happening. Because I'm no longer first in your life. I'm not adding, as he said in Matthew 6, 33, I'm subtracting. So you sow a lot of seed out in the field, but you don't get much back. And every time you sit down to eat a meal, when you get up and push away from the table, you're still hungry. And every time you drink a drink of water and get done with a dipper of water, you're still thirsty. When you put your clothes on, your winter clothes on, try to get warm, you're still cold. And every week when you get your paycheck, start home with it, cash it at the bank. By the time you got home, you figure out you had it in the bag with holes in it and it's scattered all over kingdom gum. God subtracts when he's not first. So I said all that to say this. Listen, fear and future, fowls and flowers, but faith and focus. What should we be doing in these days? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, regardless of who wins the presidential election, regardless of uh, who wins the governor. God, help us in North Carolina. God, help us. Regardless of who gets in the Senate, God, Help us in the Senate. Hey, regardless of who wins all that, guess what? Keep God first. And these things will be added unto you. Faith and focus. Let's pray. Father, help us.